0: actually self-taught when I was 15 I built my own website Um, this is back in the day when we didn't have drag and drop I used to look at uh, pages (laughs) on the internet press right click view source pick out code that I used to like and then add it onto my website
1: today I'm talking to V mystery one of the exec directors at Goldman Sachs someone who studied maths at university became a showrunner in the BBC and eventually found their way into the technology community so how can we bring a more diverse group of people into technology successfully. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast hosted by myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group, where we bring you thoughts from leaders across the industry and a bit of tech news. Welcome to today's edition of Tech Talks, where I'm sitting around a table with a and with Hayley.
0: Two metres apart. Oh.
2: Um. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For the benefit well, of yeah. For the seventh
2: show. We...
1: No, we are. I probably roughly. I mean, I, I mean, can't. So I can't reach
2: you. Yeah. We've
0: all been touching. We're, like, we're all
1: socially distanced. You're, you're more <laughs> than arm distance. I mean, not <laughs> of you also reached in the same direction? Yeah. Do yeah. That. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, mm. lovely to see
2: you both. I know. What a surprise, eh? Yeah. It's um, a
0: delight, actually.
2: It's a delight. And unplanned. We didn't plan to all be in the office no. today, did we? No. No. That's very true. This
1: would normally have gone out already, it would normally have been recorded yesterday, but due to various different reasons, it's going out today. So no, this is totally unplanned and very lovely.
2: Mm. It's like olden days, isn't it? Why are you staring at me that intensely? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's used to looking at a screen, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's all so a bit Yeah, I was like, whoa, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: right,
1: so uh, today's interview is with a tier one bank, something that... We all know many things about T1 banks. Uh, we'll go over to the interview, and uh, when we come back with some comment and analysis, we'll also have a bit of technology news. So today, I'm talking to V. Mystery, uh, V. You are one of the exec directors at Goldman Sachs. You look after uh, an area of engineering and technology within the within the bank. How are you this morning?
0: I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on your podcast.
1: Uh, how's your week been?
0: it's been great uh quite busy um it's been i I'm, I'm based in Yorkshire at the moment, so it's uh kind of sunny and a bit gray <laughs>
1: that sounds largely like Yorkshire most of the time
0: yep absolutely
1: <laughs> you're obviously look i say obviously that that might not be obvious to all of our listeners given that we've got we've got an audience that's fairly geographically dispersed but to me you're obviously from yorkshire <laughs> uh from your accent um is it the pandemic that's given you the opportunity to be back in Yorkshire to be closer to home rather than down in London?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So normally I would be based in London. Um, so yeah, this this year I've um, taken the opportunity to come back to fair Yorkshire and spent uh, quite a lot of it um, working from home.
1: One of my best friends is from Leeds, and he really does fit the stereotype of you know York, Yorkshire is God's country. And
0: I, mean, <laughs> I don't want to say anything, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway, look, very quickly, I gave a, a very, very, very rough, perhaps inaccurate description of what you do. But what what do you do within your day-to-day job?
0: Yeah, so um, I work in a team that looks at cross-divisional projects um, across the firm. So, uh, you know, a lot of our um, focus is on regulatory um, projects. So I just recently worked on LIBOR, the LIBOR transition, um, I um, you know, worked on um, you know, some people in the team had worked on Brexit. Um, you know, we've also got other strategic um projects such as like the digital assets um world, which you may have recently seen in the news. Um, the team have been part of that. Um so yeah, there's the I'm in a team that basically is um full of um technical experts, but also people who are able to be Project managers, program managers, and also have a bit of a hybrid role in being a business analyst as well. Sometimes
1: it's a far cry from what you started uh, your working life in. You're a, you're a production runner at the BBC. So actually, it's worth kind of even re, rewinding beyond that because you, you went to to university and and studied studied maths. So I suppose maths <laughs> to production runner is an unusual step in itself, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. I guess if I just take a step back, when I was younger and, you know, like everyone, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I was really passionate about the media. So uh, when I was at school, I did a, um, a little stint at our local radio station in Bradford. Um, and then I realized I really enjoyed it. Um, but I was really good at maths. So while I was choosing my university, I decided to um, um, do a degree in mathematics, but then apply for internships. Um at, you know, various media firms, and landed one like at the, at the BBC. Uh, so I worked for them um, as a production runner for Mastermind of Sport. And what I realized there is, I picked up quite a lot of um, you know people skills and influencer skills there, and you know, you know, teamwork, collaboration, etc. So whilst I was doing my master's degree, which was very focused, very technical, very you know, kind of logical, then you had this other side of me which was learning all of these people skills. So it was um it was an interesting career to kind of start off with whilst doing a degree um at the same time
1: why did you not then stay in media
0: i did actually after i graduated i landed a um indie role um for an indie firm uh, working on a cbbc program um and then the thing about the media for me, personally, um, was it wasn't um, consistent work. And I realized as well, at the same time, I wasn't really building a career um, for myself because it was all this temp work. So I ended up utilizing my skills um and took a role at the Cooperative Financial Services um, as a BI and an MI analyst. And, um, you know, there's creative elements there within that role because you're creating management information. So you've got reporting, you know, uh, you're designing reports, you're working with, uh, you know, credit risk analysts to build things in HTML, et cetera. So it kind of combined the two careers and one really um, having those people skills, but then also the technical side of it too.
1: So was it that you you first started in kind of financial traditional financial services role where technology was something that you were using as an enabling factor and then that over time technology became less of an enabling factor or do you still view it as almost technology as an enabler really and it's not, I mean, are you a technologist I suppose?
0: I mean, in some aspects, yes. So for example, I still use some of the HTML coding uh, that I, you, you know, to actually self-taught when i was 15 i built my own website um this is back in the day when we didn't have drag and drop <laughs> i used to look at uh, pages <laughs> on the internet plus right click view source pick out code that i used to like and then add it onto my website um and so i still use a little bit of that coding um in my day-to-day um in not day-to-day but i i do use it sometimes i think the way in which i think it has helped me develop and, and obviously into the team and the role that i am now is to think about things really logically and to break things down and so i go into projects right now and look at problems and what i what what's really good sometimes you're working with business people who are in the detail and know like the content really really well but sometimes you just need to be able to take a step back and actually see what is a problem, what are they trying to resolve, and basically break it down to be able to get to a resolution. So that's how I feel like the technical and the math side has come into it. Obviously, if I go yeah. back to my media side, it is the people skills, right? so you've got to be able to talk to the business folk but then also be able to talk to the engineering folk and you know kind of join them two together. so that's really what my role is about is is bringing those two elements together and helping to kind of problem solve. <laughs>
1: It's interesting that you're from kind of the northeastern corner of the country. Not, I don't know whether you'd describe it necessarily as the northeast, but I'm, I'm from, from Northumberland. It's, it's, it's yeah. not a million miles apart in terms of economic kind of demographics and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, was, I would hazard a guess that we're probably not, we weren't at school at dissimilar kind of periods of time. Mm-hmm. And there was no inclination ever in me, to right click and have a look at code (laughs) on a website right yeah and now here I am kind of talking about technology all the time but that was never something that I would have thought to have done so where did that come from where did that curiosity was it that there were other people in the family who understood about about technology because I'll be perfectly frank ICT in my school it was it was terrible it was basically this is how you use word and the computer was this kind of slightly weird foreign thing that we didn't really get our heads around
0: yeah I guess I guess just to take a little step back and give you a bit of a, 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 an intro into my family history so my dad um, was born in Kenya my mum was born in Uganda and they were first you know they came to, they immigrated to um, i greater sorry to the UK and I'm first born generation here and my dad um, went to Bradford College and learned to be an electrician and he has always been very into problem solving. So basically, you know, and he just needed to get to an answer. He always needed to know what what, what was it, you know, why is this going wrong, et cetera. So I feel like, number one, I picked up some of that. Also, when I was growing up, my dad, then his business kicked off. Um, you know, he has an electrical engineering firm. And um, my mum used to be sat in the office and she was using a typewriter Then they obviously, the the technology of a computer came out, an office computer. And I think I was about 10 or 11. And I used to start um, actually typing up the um, letters on the computer for her. And I think it just naturally kind of evolved from there. You know, with electrical engineering, there's software like CAD CAM. um, And I was able to pick that up pretty quickly because my dad showed me, oh, hey, can you look at this electrical drawing that he'd, you know, done? could you actually do that on a computer? Could you pick it up and design it? And I just used to just basically copy what he'd done on a piece of paper and put it onto the screen. And I just think I just naturally progressed from there.
1: It's, it's a random take on it because we often think of tech being far more accessible now and therefore people understanding what a career in technology might be at an earlier age. not sure if that's entirely true because listening to your talk there, because... Because it wasn't just a screen that lit up. It's almost like magic now, right? Whereas before, I remember I I had to know some basic C colon backslash backslash, I don't know, D hyphen drive, you know, just to get a game to run. You had to type in basic, basic Yeah, you know, about
0: the black and white screen, yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: exactly. So you kind of had a bit of an understanding that you had to, like, type in a prompt to get things to work. You didn't just hit a button. And I suppose that in itself, like you're suggesting alluded to an understanding that there was some kind of mechanics going on
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that in itself might suggest to people oh well hang on a minute here's, here's some way that we can go down the curiosity and dive down the rabbit hole whereas now I, I don't know maybe it's maybe it's not so maybe there's not that element of well i'll just download and it works yeah and maybe, maybe it doesn't lend itself to that same That's level awesome. of ingenuity
0: Yeah, I I completely agree what you're saying. But I guess, you know, you have a lot of the apps or a lot of the, you know, web building tools that have, you know, obviously have drop drop and drag, drag-and-drop functionality, but you know what? You can actually still look at the base code, (laughs) right-click, view source, it still works today. You go into (laughs) Google Chrome, you can, you know, do... I think they've got a developer tool in there as well. So if you, you know, right-click, you can actually find that. So there are ways of still... If you're really interested and you don't, you know, you maybe can't, you know, go to a course or whatever it is, you can still kind of figure these things out a little bit. The the it, it is available.
1: So look, you you work in financial services, you work in technology. You've had this kind of slightly um what's the right way of saying it? But it kind of almost feels like a a voyage of a career to get to where you are today. <laughs> Certainly wouldn't yeah. have been what you would have envisaged when you were at school absolutely not. now you're in an environment where you where you have got kind of diversity programs stem learning you're looking at engaging children at a at an educator who who are in full-time education and inspiring them to come through into these kind of careers what can we do to influence kids from the kind of communities that we're from you know ex-industrial parts of the country where actually i still think there's a lack of understanding or a lack of not understanding—that's the wrong word—but the lack of, of an awareness of the opportunities to available, that are available to them, how do we how do we bridge that gap and ensure that they know what opportunities
2: there are for them? I
0: and mean, that's a great question. If I just take it back to like Goldman's, if if I can for a moment, um, you know, one of their key priorities in terms of diversity is social mobility, and so as I've alluded to, you know, engineers we solve problems all the time, and people within Goldman's they come from. You know, a range of backgrounds and, you know, have bring different perspectives. For example, myself, right? Um, okay, at GS, we've got uh, some STEM learning summer camps that, um, you know, help young people who missed out on key learning during the pandemic. And for our engineers, it gives them a chance to give something back to their local communities. So someone like myself who go back to, you mm-hmm. know, um, a place at Bradford. And it's really rewarding. Everyone learns something different from each, from teaching others. And, you know, people come back to the office with more insight in how they, you know, they can help develop younger and and junior employees as well. So it kind of works in a two way um, manner. We've also um, just recently got a new partnership with the Kajigo app. And uh, Mm. this is an educational app targeted at girls and women to inspire them into STEM and tech careers. So it's an innovative platform driven by video content, providing role models, career stories, and as well as educational support. And I um, you know, this as we've alluded to, there's so many engineering careers out there, and children in schools have never heard of them. So this will give them access to that information. And, you know, having role models that you maybe relate to is also so important. So, you know, this new partnership with helpers um do that as well.
1: Do you, do you think there's an element that it's on people like me and you. I'm from the Northeast. I went off to university. I came down to London. I'm now in Kent. I've never gone back to my school. I've never. Yeah.
0: There's
1: an element of, you know, pr- prior to the pandemic, there wasn't much of an opportunity. You get caught up in life. You, you leave,
0: right? Yeah. And yeah.
1: if I think about my friends who, who have had the kind of career that kids aren't necessarily aware of when we're in education, they do tend to migrate away. Mm. Does is there something in the pandemic that some of those people might go back home some of those people might not leave some of those people you know they they may go to university that but then they may go well, well you know what there's a bit of flexibility here i i could be back in my local community from quite an early age and provide that you know those 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 role models that people can relate to that when you're 16 you look at a 21 year old a 23 year old and go. That's the kind of person I want to be. Because the sixteen-year-olds aren't going to look at a thirty-six-year-old or a forty-five-year-old and go, "That's the person I want
0: to be." Yeah, I guess you know that's probably why or why we've um, extended our footprint within the UK. And so we've got locations like Birmingham. And so we expect to, um, the office to grow to around one hundred and fifty people by the end of this year, and several uh, several hundred over the next few years. And so that kind of alludes to what you're you're suggesting. You know, people are going to be closer. It's not just going to be London-centric you know, it's around the Birmingham talent. So, yeah, we've got this, you know, 20 universities within an hour commute of uh, Birmingham City Centre. So that allows for a little bit more flexibility. And it's not just London-centric. We're thinking about, um, you know, reaching out to different different cities, different talent. Um, so maybe that will help and enable what we're talking about. You know, people will, you know, maybe in the future, I might decide to go back to Yorkshire. You know, and you know, maybe base myself out of Birmingham as well. So I guess it makes it a bit more, you know,
1: accessible. And in- yeah,
0: exactly, exactly.
1: So I mean, last last point. Um, do you think it's changed from when we were in in school to to you now? Look, like, you know, you you said yourself, you alluded to the fact that you come from um, a kind of a, a melting point of a couple of different cultures and cultures that often have quite strong expectations of. of the careers that people tend to go down do you think do you think that still exists or do you think some of those attitudes are thawing and there's a little bit more movement social mobility just naturally there
0: i think it still exists um but probably not to the same extent of you know what i experienced when i was younger but i think social media you know the connectivity technology just in general has enabled to break down some of those barriers quite naturally um, you know, you can, you know, if you use Instagram or all these other things, you can see people and you see influencers, you see role models. So the like the app is a great example, right? Of reaching out to to younger people. When I was at school, we didn't have anything like that. And the internet was just at your home, you know, mm. in your bedroom, it was not on your mobile phone. So th- all these things are coming out. So I think it is helping, but I do think there is a lot more that we can do um to try and push that a little bit forward. You know, bringing their voices to the table, showing, um, you know, younger generations that there are there are people similar to themselves in these companies, you know, Goldman Sachs, you know, Microsoft, wherever it is, um, to to then, you know, just influence and, and kind of motivate people to take a shot. And, you know, be bold is one of the things that I learned at a recent tech conference. You know, just put yourself out there. Um, and I, I think, think we I don't think... do that enough. Yeah,
1: I think what I hear as well coming through is that where partnerships are possible, like each, each of these organizations, um, you know, it's, it's not easy for Goldman Sachs to for Microsoft to another financial services firm to all do their own thing. So where you've got mm-hmm. these partnerships that, are, are, that enable you to come together and to all help as a collective, that's possibly the direction that we need to travel in because you do see so many different groups so many different initiatives and i understand that everyone wants to do something mm-hmm. but maybe everyone doing something different is counterproductive to people coming together and getting behind one or two different schemes
0: yeah and i think yeah like i keep going back to the kajio gap i do think that is a brilliant way because i think there's going to be you know other you know big companies that are in partnership with them as well
1: it's really interesting to get your your perspective especially given your career history, where you've come from and what you're up to now. So thank you for your time this morning and enjoy the rest of your time whilst you're up in Yorkshire. Thank you. I like the fact that she's gone back to Yorkshire because there is this kind of trend, it would seem, of an in-office culture. Um, Goldman Sachs, funny enough, is one of those organisations that's talking about an in-office culture. But here is someone who proves that there are exceptions to that and, you know, proving that actually they're looking beyond just London and the tech UK scene is, is more than just the southeast
2: mm no very true but they they've also had a bit of a a hard run, in, haven't they over the pandemic in the last few months with people from well high up in Goldman Sachs saying that they want people back in the office and that sort of thing well so there are a couple there, there are, are a couple are of
1: financial institutions there, that have yeah. gone like, yeah, we want people hundred percent back in the office mm. it's not goldman sachs it's it's one of the other banks, so look. This story, sorry, that I'm about to repeat kind of relates to, but I do find it quite amusing. Um, I was talking to a colleague of ours over lunchtime who has a friend who works for another institution who has been asked to be back in the office, Um, but in their office, that person has their own office where they spend all day talking to people in India. And you kind of go, well, what's the point in that? Why go sit in an office on your own to talk to people remotely? Mm. Like, I get that there is this clamour for... Proximity and to be working together but also come on bit of common sense and a bit of you know that that just that just is stupid
0: bit of flexibility keep some people happy by just giving them that yes and if you have been to Goldman Sachs office it's beautiful yes but fresh sushi I don't like sushi oh well I do
2: Mm, I mean I'll love it I'll eat anything to be fair the lunch (laughs) counter (laughs) evidently
0: the lunch counter is top tier I must
2: say top tier mmm
1: very good. Um, no, but look, the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that there has been actually a bit of negative press and a bit of a backlash against everyone being back in the office in some of these institutions, but V is proving that actually may is a bit more nuanced than that and it isn't quite so blanket and that organisations are still very much open to looking out what that environment should be like. And if they're going to attract people, if they're going to entice people from other walks of life, if they're going to have someone who does maths and then media and then goes into... Um, risk and and into technology we do need to be a little bit more open in our in our thinking to attract people into the industry
2: and make it an attractive place to work yeah 100% and that's why I think banking's always struggled right it's always had the how are we going to get diverse talent we talked V talks about kind of social mobility all that came up in the, Mm. the interview and how you're going to get you know people that aren't from your normal red brick universities and private schools and that sort of thing and if you can offer something different and say we are going to be flexible we are opening our doors for different people of different areas or capabilities but you know we are kind of open and we welcome you with with both arms or open arms so sorry um, that will help right i yeah. guess that that will that will open up doors for people that would normally think oh i can't work at goldman sachs or mm-hmm. you know i need flexibility or i've got a young family or I'm an early, I'm a late comer to the education or technology piece. I, I can't get into yeah. golden Sachs. but showing that flexibility and, and almost being pragmatic, I think, yeah. in terms of their approach, that will help.
1: I mean, getting into work for a tier one bank is pretty prestigious, right? And it isn't just people who come from red brick universities or whatnot. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit there about going back to schools and talking about what you'd say to people at school if you could about how you do that I mean Hayley if, you know hypothetically if you were working in a tier one bank and you went back to your school what what would you
2: say to those students?
0: Anything's possible because I certainly do not have I didn't do well in school so and there is definitely that opportunity to do it even though you haven't and I think that's what's so nice about what Goldman Sachs are offering is they're not being that bank that's like you have to be. Mm. You have to have this. You have to have a degree. You have to all these things. I mean, you know, if you're, you're if you're skilled in certain areas and they need that skill, they'll yeah. they'll hire you. And it's a breath of fresh air. And I do truly believe that. And
1: well, we know that. Look, we we recruit for these organisations, yeah. and it isn't just Oxbridge yeah. private schools. Absolutely yeah. not. Anyone is capable of 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 these of working in these organisations, but that message doesn't always get through. And if I think back back to my school, my school's on television for being Failed by the government, and there were holes in the ceiling that I wasn't even aware of. Oh God! Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, well, it's from a you know an ex coal mining community in northeast yeah. northeast England. It's right. it's
2: almost forgotten <clears> about <throat> that area.
1: Isn't it? it is a little bit. Yeah, not
2: really part of England.
1: Which is why I feel a little. <laughs> it's why I feel a little bit guilty sometimes that I haven't because because there were only I think there were only like five of us from my year group that applied to universities right. away from the northeast of England. Right, and and kids. Therefore, you know, if if your parent, like if I think about my wife, she didn't know about the opportunity to go to like universities like Oxford Mm. and Cambridge and wherever else because her mum and dad weren't aware of it. And if your parents aren't giving you those opportunities, then you'll not give your kids those opportunities because you'll have never been aware. So Mm. where people have done well, where someone like V has come from a community that you might not necessarily associate someone going and having that career, if they can go back and they can bridge and make that, that route, aware to to people then that's a really positive thing to do yeah
2: and in comparison i had a completely different schooling because i went to a school in windsor and it was all very prim and proper and posh and you know you were kind of told if you want to be in banking then you must take maths at a levels and with maths you can do an extra a level in your own time which is statistics and if you pair that up with it you know that will allow you to get into the the kind of top universities and then end up with some sort of graduate placement at one of the the towers in Canary Wolf. So that was drilled into us at that time, and I was always shit at maths and it really. Regardless, you used to play that Denise Lewis heptathlon game throughout the whole it lesson. Usually <laughs> banging away at the space bar. but um, <laughs> but after that, like, I I didn't quite fancy it until I started working in recruitment and then recruiting for financial services and then. There was a whole other world of banking that I I normally think I'm like bloody hell I could do that job or I could, yeah. you know and you find people that had a similar educational path but they've ended up in banking and stuff and you kind of think that isn't always driven down at that kind of school level and then we sit here and complain oh we don't have you know females who want to do STEM um, you know kind of courses or degrees and we're lacking this but if if the information is filtered. Better, I think from the top or from these huge institutions then I think there will be a massive surge in people wanting to um, yeah wanting to get into those industries
1: yeah yeah absolutely right
2: look uh, very
1: quickly before we before we leave you a bit of technology news and this is very London centric so apologies but I think it's it's uh, important news nonetheless there's going to be Wi-Fi on the tube from 2024 is there actually Mm. even like like central proper Uh, proper. not, not
0: on the platforms then you stop.
1: No, no, it looks, looks proper, like proper cellular, Pro- full <laughs> signal on the trains. Oh. Even My, on Northern and bakerloo and Central, yeah. yeah? My thought is they get Dom Jolly out of retirement with his big Nokia phone and just shout hello, hello, yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on every single line that he possibly can and uh, scare the hell out of every single
2: commuter possible. Will we be getting Wi-Fi after we get Aircon? I never get an aircon on the tube. No, I've heard me. I've heard there's a new central line going in. Honestly,
0: well, Victoria important. No, no, no,
2: no, no. Like, there's going to be new trains on the central line line, so the trains are going to be new that have aircon.
0: They're rotting, aren't they? <laughs>
2: yeah, horrible. It's
1: about time. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's it's the weather has been shit, mm. but it's a bit of a blessing if you want to get on the tube because at mm. least it's not like a cooker. Mm. You know, yeah. last last summer it did actually get over 55 degrees down there, which is when you start to slowly cook. Over 55 degrees, your cells begin to cook. Well, do
2: you remember a few years ago oh. when it was the heat God wave God. and it was like 60, 70 degrees, I think, it went to down there on the Bakerloo line? That's just yeah. horrific. That's horrible. But you can make a phone call and tell everyone about it. Well, yeah, at least you could put it on your Instagram. At least if you're in trouble, you can call and do
0: stuff, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're getting a bit morbid here. <laughs> <laughs> right, that'll do it for
1: today's show Thank you it's lovely to actually see you all. Oh, oh, nice. yes. We're, we're Amber missing Canadian Amber.
2: Intently. We're missing Amber. We are maybe. missing Amber, she's not bothered. No, um, can't be asked. Yeah. But
1: uh we'll be back on Friday. <laughs>